So it's been said that the questions that we hear Jesus asking in the Gospels are oftentimes more profound than any answer that may be given to those questions. And so maybe a New Year's resolution for you would be to read the Gospels, pick out those questions that Jesus asks, and allow those words to be directed towards you and towards your heart. Because the question he asks today is one of the most profound. And the implications of the answer to that question for our lives is one of the most profound. And these are the very first words that we hear Jesus utter in John's gospel. What are you looking for? We can ask that question and and look at it at very, very different levels. What are you looking for? What do you seek? What stirs your heart and motivates you? If we recall from last Sunday as we celebrated the Epiphany, we had those magi, those great men from the East, who were seeking something other than what they had. That the disposition of their heart and their life was oriented towards something else. We could say towards something more. They weren't satisfied with what they had, and they went on a journey in search. And as we begin now this ordinary time, which means the numbered weeks throughout the year, that epiphany, which means revelation, will continue throughout these weeks as we journey with Jesus through his adult life and the different episodes and the different encounters we have. It's an ongoing manifestation, an ongoing revelation of the person of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he means for our life. It's always this question, what are you looking for? The restlessness of our hearts, St. Augustine tells us, is only met in Christ. And we so often give ourselves over to other things and other people in search of finding something, some peace, some rest, some satisfaction, some purpose, some meaning, something. And it's to those stirrings that Jesus directs this question. What are you looking for? And do we even know? Could you answer that question? Do you know what your heart desires? It seems as as though these two disciples, Andrew and John, the writer of the gospel, maybe didn't know exactly what they were looking for. We know they were looking for something because they moved, they pivoted from John the Baptist to Jesus when, when he was pointed out. That they were following John the Baptist because they were looking, anticipating, expecting something. And they were easily brought to, jo- to Jesus when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. 
But when Jesus turned to them and said, what are you looking for? Their answer was, well, where are you staying? That even answering a question with a question sometimes, but this one doesn't seem to follow. Maybe they were caught off guard. Maybe they were confused. Or maybe they just really didn't know. But where are you staying? That itself is a question with many layers. Because the author, in just a few verses before we had today, tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and stayed among us, abides among us. It's that same words, that same notion, that same concept of staying and dwelling and abiding. It speaks to a deep truth about Christ and his desire to be with us, his people. And a few more chapters from this, John would tell us that to dwell, to abide with Christ is intimately connected to the Blessed Sacrament, the Holy Eucharist. The way that we abide with Christ is to receive the Holy Eucharist and to keep the commandments of the Lord. So John's Gospel is opening with this beautiful passage in the public life of Jesus. So what are you looking for? In our first reading from Samuel, this young, as a young man, Samuel was dedicated to the temple. His mother had difficulty conceiving. And she promised God if she was able to conceive, she would give her son back to him. And she did. And he was living next to the Ark of the Covenant, the place where God's presence was in the midst of the community. He was next to it. He was under the mentorship of Eli. And this is why when he heard the voice, he thought it was Eli calling out to him. So that's why he went to him. Because as we heard, the Lord had not yet been revealed to Samuel. So when he heard a voice, his natural thought was to go to the person who's been teaching him. If we don't know the voice of the Lord, we go to the wrong place to get the answers. Eli had not yet taught Samuel the voice of the Lord. When our parents don't teach our children to hear the voice of the Lord, they go to the wrong place seeking answers for the things that they hear, for the questions that they're asking. And the reason why Eli didn't tell him, the reason why Samuel had not been yet introduced to the Lord, a couple of verses before the passage that we had, it tells us that there had been no prophetic utterances for quite some time. If you go back a few pages, you realize that Eli was not a very good priest. And he was the father of two sons who were also not good priests, giving themselves over to sexual license and infidelity and idolatry. And Eli, the father, refused to correct them. And so this is why there was this confusion about the voice of the Lord. And this is what St. Paul is speaking of in that second reading. In our soft version we have, it says, avoid immorality. But St. Paul says to flee sexual immorality. Very specific. 
the sins that he was calling out. Reminding those chosen people, reminding those Christians in Corinth of who they are. Because they had forgotten their identity and they allowed themselves to be dragged back to their former way of life. Corinth was not a very virtuous city. It was known for its immorality and they had temples to immorality where people would go and pay money and do very horrendous and immoral things. And those people had heard the preaching of the gospel and they had surrendered their life to Christ. But here, some years later, they began to go back to their former way of life. And St. Paul is reminding them, do you not remember? Do you not know that you've been paid for? Your body has been purchased? That you are a temple? Why are you acting like them? You are raised from that. You've been elevated from that. Why are you going back? Do you not know who you are? Do you not remember that those desires of your heart are easily misinterpreted and you're easily drawn to the wrong things, but in Christ you found the answer? Do you not remember this? This is what St. Paul is saying. Glorify the Lord with your body. Don't desecrate the temple of your life. We can hear the same message preached to us today with the immoral culture in which we live, with the progressive woke agenda pushing things down our face that are probably more horrendous than what the Corinthians were doing. And so many of us walk around like it's no big deal and we're not really affected by it. And it's okay, you do you. We don't really understand the importance the effect that these actions have on us, the body of Christ, and we allow it, we tolerate it. St. Paul is reminding us that we've been raised to a higher level, that we no longer need to settle for the lies of the idolatry and the sexual immorality. That the beautiful gift of our bodies are meant to glorify God. So what are you looking for? Have you gone back to a former way of life? Do you tolerate the immorality in your life, in your children's lives? Do you go along to get along to not make waves? St. Paul is challenging us today to be faithful to the gospel, to not settle. When Andrew and John asked Jesus, where do you stay? He answered with an invitation. Come and see. Very simple, non-threatening. If you really want to know, then come and see. And this is the invitation of the gospel that the church preaches day in and day out. Like John the Baptist, the priest holds up that very same Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God. Look, he's here. I am here, Jesus is saying. If you want to know the truth, come and see. And they went, and they stayed with him that afternoon. They stayed with him. They built and fostered and developed their relationship. 
And this is the goal of the Christian life, is to be in an involved relationship, a sustained relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just checking off boxes of not breaking certain rules. It's not just fulfilling obligations and doing this and not doing that. But entering into a life-giving relationship with the one who loves you. And it requires a sustained effort, which is why we have these sacraments. It's not just a one-and-done thing. Like any relationship, it requires work and care. And it happens to us through our life of prayer, through our corporate worship, our liturgical worship, through our celebration of the sacraments. We're tending and we're caring and we're supporting our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're staying with him. And then after they stayed with him, Andrew first went to tell his brother, we have found the one. We have found the Messiah. The long-awaited one that we've all been hoping for. I found him. And that's the challenge for each of you. As you hear the invitation to look at Jesus and to come and stay and encounter him, and then you go out into the world and you tell your brother Simon that you found the one. St. John is writing us this story 50 or 60 years after the fact. In what great detail he tells us. He knows the specific places and the times, the exact hour that it happened. This is the profound impact that this encounter had on him. Do you have your story? Do you have your four o'clock moment with Jesus? The moment you met him and everything changed and nothing could be the same again. And have you told that story to someone? especially for you parents with with young children, with teenagers? Do they know your story? Do they know your four o'clock? This is how we keep our children, our young people, from falling back or falling into that sexual immorality. Is that they see a lived expression of the faith. That they know that you believe that what you believe is real and it's true and it's real and it's true that you found the one that you were looking for. So what are you looking for? Do you know that it's Jesus Christ? Because that's the, the real answer, and that's the easy answer. But do you know that? Do you believe that Jesus is the answer to every desire of your heart? Every longing, every yearning, every ache, Jesus is the answer. And that's not just some simple little bumper sticker. It's the truth. We're beginning this season of ordinary time, and we're going to be walking with Jesus as an adult life for the next few weeks, and then we'll go to Lent and then Easter, and then we'll pick back up in the middle of the summer. This wonderful exercise of being with Jesus. So commit, commit to spending time with, this, with Jesus in the scriptures this year. There are wonderful podcasts you can listen to to help walk you through the scriptures. 
Come to Mass. Come early. Stay late. Prepare. Give thanksgiving. Come to the church when it's not just Mass time. And stay with the Lord who is here. Because just as the Lord was talking to Samuel, he's calling out to you. He called Samuel's name. He knows your name. And he's calling to you, inviting you to let him answer your questions. Give him that space. Give him that time. Just as simple as Samuel said, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening.